It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of you don't the have- Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the use uh, to the virtual Bible study for tonight. It is the virtual Bible study for Thursday, May seventeenth or June seventeenth, two thousand and ten. We're glad you're part of the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. We've we've had a good week here at College View. And in fact, we some of you who maybe were watching ahead of time saw us rushing in here at the last minute to get ready for the program. We've been having Vacation Bible School at College View this week. And it's been a good week. And uh, we have one more night to go after tonight. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we, come, we encourage you to come and be with us next or tomorrow night at 7 o'clock for the final night of our Vacation Bible School. We're studying battles in the Old Testament in our studies together. That's right. What, what we're doing this week, Jacob, is what we typically do here at College View during these Vacation Bible Schools. We, we, we really want them to be some serious and intense Bible study. And so our teachers make up their own material. We choose a theme, and then the teachers of the various classes make up their own material relative to the theme that we've chosen. And we also teach that same thing to our adults. And so this year our theme was some famous battles from the Old Testament. And especially in the older classes and in the adult class, what we're trying to emphasize is that there are some important and significant spiritual parallels. Those were physical battles in the Old Testament we are in a spiritual warfare in our day and time, and so there are some valuable parallels there, and that's what we've been trying to to, to draw out. All right. Uh, we want to talk about spiritual battles tonight, and we want to talk about winning them and so, on the program. Yeah, so what we thought we would do then is just to carry over that theme into our virtual Bible study tonight, talk about the same sort of things that we've been talking about uh, during Vacation Bible School talk about the spiritual warfare that we are in. We sent out some questions earlier today to our update list, as we always do. And we want to remind you, if you'd like to be on our update list, you can do that by simply sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Put in the subject line, add me to your list, and we'll do that. We send out an update um, usually midday on Thursday, telling people what our theme is going to be. We also usually send out a Twitter feed uh, to give you the theme for study, so you can follow us on Twitter at VBS Questions. Look for us at VBS Questions on Twitter. But here's the questions we sent out earlier today. Number one, what examples do you think are most indicative in the modern world of the great spiritual battle that we face? I think that's an important thing. we got to be aware of the fact that we're in a battle, and I'm afraid that a lot of Christians are not consciously acting as though This is a real fight. Okay, we'll talk about that. Yeah, certainly. Secondly, how would you answer someone who suggests that this is really just a lost cause and there's no way that we can possibly succeed uh, against the odds that we are facing? Number three, what are some of the key elements that must be in place if we're going to win our spiritual battles? And number four, are we wrong when we try to motivate ourselves and others with the idea of a prize or a reward 
for winning the battle. Those oh. are the four questions we sent out earlier. We're going to be talking about those and other things in our study tonight. All right. We want to hear from you. Send us an email to questions at collegeu.com or give us a call. 877-381-4567 is the number to use. We look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. If you're watching us from Ustream.tv on our video feed, you can join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. Follow the instructions on your screen if you're at the virtual Bible study. Dot com. Uh, click on the menu button and then go to show page and you'll see the chat room on your right. We look forward to hearing from you in any of those ways on the program tonight. As we talk about spiritual battles, and not only we're we going to talk about spiritual battles tonight, we're going to talk about winning spiritual battles because we do believe that we can win them. Uh, we'll get into that as we go along. But the first thing for us to note as we talk about this is that we need to understand that we're in a battle you look at the religious world today, and uh, for instance, we're having a vacation Bible school. Uh, vacation Bible school has uh, degraded in many religious organizations to just being fun and games because uh, on the children's level, but it's not much different than that on the adults' level. We're interested in what we're, you know, social type of activities and uh, just the, the carnal without really focusing on the spiritual, maybe because we fail to realize that we're in a spiritual battle. Yeah, exactly right, and I, I believe it is so important for us to 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 get a handle on that and to be aware and to see the dangers. Uh, in First Peter chapter five and verse eight, Peter said, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour." If we're not aware and if we're not paying attention to what's going on around us, then we're almost certain to be picked off by this roaring lion who's seeking to devour us. You know, if there's a literal lion in the room, uh, we certainly would uh, It would change the way we act. We'd look carefully at that lion. We'd keep our eye on that lion. We wouldn't ever forget that the lion was in the room. And yet, spiritually, I'm afraid, sometimes we're tempted to forget that uh, we're in a spiritual battle, a spiritual warfare, and that the devil is that roaring lion who's trying to devour us, trying to kill us, trying to destroy us spiritually. I think that's exactly right. Uh, one of the questions that we asked Jacob was, what What are some of the indications that we're in such a battle? What are some of the signs that you see in the world around us that that suggest the idea that we are in a great spiritual battle? And uh, we haven't got much feedback on that or any to speak of so far. I'd like to get the thoughts of our audience along those lines. But I, I would argue that almost any day that you watch the news... Uh, any reporting on cultural and societal trends that are going on in our culture indicates just how bad it really is. Certainly. You hear about all of the immorality. You you see that, but then when you see how it has affected the lives of Christians today, you understand that we are in a spiritual battle because that immorality that we're seeing in the media, that immorality that we're seeing in our society and our culture has rubbed off on those who claim to be Christians, and uh, signs of the battle are clearly seen when we see the spiritual carnage yep. that's a result of, of the society that we live in. And the thing is that um, it's not just that people of the world are being impacted by all this. Even among Christians, we're seeing some devastating effects. Certainly are. What do you think? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview. Dot com. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, beginning, Paul writes, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
we are fighting a warfare. Paul you know, basically assumes that everybody understands that here. But as he says, that we're, we have these weapons and we're fighting a warfare and it's a spiritual war. You know, tonight in our Vacation Bible School study, we talked about Gideon and, and the amazing thing that happened in that case when he took 300 men into a battle against an army of Midianites that was so large that the number couldn't even be given. Uh, said even their camels were as numerous as the sands by the seaside. So, I mean, there's an innumerable host, this army of Midian, and here Gideon was with 300 men. You think Gideon knew he was in for a fight? You, you think he was aware? Well, sure you would be if you were facing odds like that. But one of the things that we've got to realize is that as as the servants of God in the world today, our odds are even greater than that. When you when you think of the the relative handful of God's faithful people who are serving Him in the world today, and you th- you think of the numbers of people who are actually actively opposing His cause in this world, and then the host of other people who are just totally indifferent or callous to His cause, the odds are incredible. Gideon knew he was in for a fight. We better realize that we're in for a fight, or we're likely to just be overwhelmed. You can imagine the uh, the the the, the you know the uh, reservations as uh, Gideon faced that army, and uh, the challenge he knew he was facing. Yet we often underestimate. In fact, we may not even consider our adversary. We're going to go to our audience tonight, and uh, Arthur's in the crowd with uh, with a microphone. Arthur's typically one of our regular listeners online. Tonight he's live and in person. Arthur, join in on this. We can see in second. Arthur, if you you need to you need to go ahead and turn it, put that that switch all the way to the top. Is it all the way up? Okay, well, try it again. Hold the mic real close. Yeah. No, we're not getting. Go ahead. It's all right. And Jeff, if you would hand him that other microphone, we'll get you one way or the other here. There, that one will work. Okay. Yeah, we got you. Yeah, Paul told Timothy in Second Timothy. The second chapter, he referred to him as to he need to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He said, "Thou shalt, thou therefore endure hardships as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No man that warreth entangle himself with affairs this life, that he may please him that has chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masters, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully." So we can see there that Paul told Timothy, even his day and time, that uh, there was really a warfare there among uh, the people of God and the people of the world. What's a soldier do, Arthur? A soldier exists to fight in a war. In a war. Exactly right. Yeah, and other places in the uh, letters to Timothy, there are instructions about fighting fights as well. And it's always lawfully. You know, there was a certain way to do it, and that was lawfully. Other than that, he wouldn't be uh, awarded for in first Timothy, In First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he told Timothy to fight the good fight uh, of faith and lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We could go on and on with verses that show us that we're in a, a spiritual war. There's a, there's a lot of comparison to warfare in, in the New Testament. Well, obviously, in the Old Testament, where we've been studying uh, where we've been studying in our vacation Bible school, we see those physical battles very plainly described. But there's plenty of description in the New Testament as to the spiritual warfare we're in. And again, I believe the main thing that we got to stress is that we're in that fight. And if we don't pay attention to it, and if we're just kind of stumbling along like a, like a little child walking through the park, 
we're going to get taken out almost surely. We've got to be like diligent soldiers, prepared and ready for a true fight. And if if we're not paying attention, we're, we're going to be taken. All right, we'll take a break, and then when we get back, we hope to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or in the chat room tonight. You can join in with other listeners. We'll be back right after these messages. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Hi, my name is Hunter. I'm 11 years old, and I love listening to the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're out there. We hope that you'll take a minute to comment as we talk about spiritual battles. I think we've established, Dad, the fact that we are in a spiritual war, uh, that the devil is trying to defeat us spiritually. He wants uh, us to be carnage uh, on the spiritual battlefield, and we need to be aware of that. Okay. Now, as a follow-up to that first question that we discussed, I think uh, we were saying that there's the real potential that some people may just be going along without an awareness of the fight that we're in. That's one end of the set of the spectrum, so to speak. I think the other end of that spectrum is that people say, well, there's no way to win. The, the, the odds are so incredibly stacked against us, and the, and, and the the odds are so strong uh, that there's no way that we can win. It's a lost cause. There's no way that we can succeed in this spiritual battle. You ever talk to anybody who had that outlook? Yeah, I think I have. Yeah, there's no way that I can do this. Might as well not even try. Yeah, I'm wasting my time. It's impossible. Going to give up. Maybe, yeah. maybe you've talked to someone who is bold enough to verbalize that, but certainly many people have that idea and maybe not express it uh, verbally. Yeah. Uh, if I was going to try to answer some people who had that mindset, I think one of the things that I'd want to do is to d- talk about what happened in the early church. when, on, As the day of Pentecost dawned in Acts chapter 2, actually going back into Acts chapter 1, the total number of people who were disciples of Jesus Christ at that time numbered 120. There were the apostles and with all who were says uh, Acts 1 verse 15 in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of names together were about 120 okay so that's where it started on the day of Pentecost we're not going to succeed here we just got a handful of people there's no way that we're going to be able to make anything out of this it's a lost cause why are we even wasting our time that day of Pentecost 3,000 obeyed the gospel suddenly it went from 120 to 3,000 in a few days, when you get over in Acts chapter uh, 5, uh, it says uh, that the number of the believers were added, multitudes, both of men and women, uh, 
chapter 4, verse 4 mentions 5,000 men who were believers and so forth. The, the numbers just grew incredibly. And maybe one of the most significant statements in the New Testament along that line is in Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, it speaks of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And so if they could do it then... I mean, here were just a handful of people. And against a really hostile world. Uh, we know that the persecution against Christians in the first century was just awesome. And yet, in the face of that intense persecution, they were able to spread the gospel throughout all the known world of that day. Now, if they could do it, and you, you think about just some of the limitations that they would have had. The printed word, for instance, wasn't even available. Everything they had was just handwritten copies of documents and so forth. That's the best they could do. They didn't have the printed word. They didn't. They certainly didn't have any kind of electronic media by which to spread the word. And yet they did it. They succeeded. And so, for the people who say, "I just don't think we. I don't. I don't think it's winnable. I don't think there's any way that we can succeed, considering the odds that we're facing." Uh, when we when we say that. Uh, uh, we're denying the power of the example that we have in the New Testament. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Now, let's make the parallel to the Old Testament, the children of Israel. They come up to the promised land, they send in the 12 spies, and then we know that the, the host of the children of Israel said, there's no way that we can go in and conquer this land. We're not going to do it. You know, we, This is terrible. How many of uh, people today would be with with that group spiritually when they look at the adversary, look at the challenges, and say, "There's no way we could do it." You know, a couple of, uh, a couple of the the battles that we've studied this week would be in that in that line. We talked about Joshua leading the Israelites against the city of Jericho. Here was Jericho, a mighty walled city, fortified. How in the world are we going to take that city? You know, it doesn't seem possible. Or tonight's lesson, when we talked about Gideon and his 300 men, certainly that seemed like just an impossible thing. But with God's help, they were able to do it. And I believe with God's help, we can do it. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's vic- victory is possible. All right. And then back to the person who says there's just no way that I can do it. As they personally, look, personally, they, I look at uh, in my temper. I've got a very hot temper. I've got a very loose tongue. Uh, you know, whatever it might, the temptation that I may struggle with is, there's no way that I can overcome that. There's no way that I can control my temper. There's no way that I can, whatever the the temptation may be. First Corinthians chapter ten verse thirteen tells us that you can be victorious. If you have the desire to be in First Corinthians chapter ten verse thirteen, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. We can overcome. We can win personally, personally, and as a collective. And God's cause will be victorious. Okay, very good. All right, we've got an email from a listener in Indiana who writes in: We are in a battle. And, and he's pointing out how you know it. When you stop and look around and see where we are being attacked, he mentions the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, and other groups are trying desperately to get uh, in God we trust uh, off of our currency. Uh, no prayer to be said in Congress. No prayers in schools and many other examples. Okay. So uh, I think I think that is the kind of thing that we were talking about earlier. You know, just there are just all kinds of ind- indicators out there that suggest we are in a strong spiritual battle. To the point that th- th- there are things being promoted 
and gaining acceptance in our society today that would never have been dreamed of just a few years ago. Uh, for instance, who would have guessed that the homosexuals would have been as successful in promoting their agenda as they have been? I mean, if you had said 30 years ago that things in regards to the homosexual agenda would have been where they are today, if you had suggested we'd be where we are today, if you had made that suggestion 30 years ago, people would have laughed at you. But look what's happened. And so that's just that's just an indicator. And I think uh, uh, that's right. The, the email goes on to say religious groups that want to deny other religious groups the right to worship or to teach in their own way. Um, again, an indicator, he says, of the kind of battle that we're in. Some are trying to 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 squelch religious discussion. Uh, that's not to say that we agree with every religious group out there with all that they're teaching. We think that there's a lot of false teaching being done. But there are groups who want to stop all religious teaching in the world today, which is an indicator of the kind of spiritual warfare that we're in. Uh, here's another one. Uh, did you hear in the news this week where there was a teacher down in Florida in a quote-unquote Christian school? Well, we would differ with some of, with uh, that concept. But uh, a, a quote-unquote quote, Christian school where they want... Uh, their children to learn certain biblical principles. Teacher in that school becomes pregnant outside of marriage. She commits fornication. And the principal of that school fires the teacher because he doesn't want that influence on the children. Did you hear about this in the news? And then, so the lady is up in arms. She brings a lawsuit before the school, and the public is at an outcry supporting her the woman who has committed fornication and saying she should be allowed to teach the children, the impressionable young people, she should be allowed to stay. And it was very uh, bigoted of this principal to fire this woman from his school. Yeah, there you go. That, that's a, a great example, a great current events kind of example of the very kind of thing that we're talking about, just how bad the spiritual warfare is. But Victory is possible. Victory is possible. And we want to stress that, that with God's help, because... Again, drawing some parallels from the religious, from the spiritual battles that we've been studying in our vacation Bible school this week, when the people did what God told them to do, He blessed their their efforts and they were able to succeed. And I really believe that that is a, a an overarching principle in God's dealings with human beings is that when we do what He tells us to do, He blesses us and we can succeed in everything that He wants us to do. All right, let us know your thoughts over the phone, toll free eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Send that email. The questions at collegeview.com. We appreciate those anybody, comments from Anybody got a thought? I think, Arthur, maybe you have something to add. All right. Yeah, just to add to what you said, Greg, uh, you remember what um, uh, 1 Corinthians 3rd chapter, verse 6, he said, I planned to polish water, but God gave it the increase. So all we can do is just do the work that God would have us to do, and he'll, he'll take care of the increase. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, do our part. That's, uh, and of course, that's all we can do. You know, I, I think a, a, a very important principle is you can only do what you can do. God never expects us to do what's beyond our power to do, but He does expect us to do what we can. And what we what we can't afford to do is just give up and surrender and refuse to do what's in our power to do. All right, so we are in a battle. There's no denying that. That battle is a very difficult and very challenging battle. We're fighting with uh, a roaring lion. Who wants to devour us? Who wants to devour our soul? First Peter chapter two verse eleven says, "Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul." The devil wants us to be destroyed in this battle that we're fighting with him. But God has made it very clear that we can be 
victorious. Mike has a comment in the audience tonight. Mike, you may need to turn. You may need to turn that. Uh, Push that oh, there we go. There we go, Mike. You're right. okay. okay. You're, you're ready. I just wondered. You see a parallel. You know, you think about the greatness of God, but it always strikes me full measures that He uses, like tonight in Gideon, with 300 men taking on, but uh, probably over 100,000, I guess. But yet there were no great war war battle plans or anything like that, or any great war weapons that they used. They used horns and torches, and and 300 men defeated that. It, it strikes me. I wonder if there's a parallel between in our spiritual warfare that we go back to the simple plan of Romans 1:16, the power of God into is you know the power of God into salvation is the gospel. That's a good and, point. You know, as opposed to it's not elaborate gyms and softball fields and and etc. Huge it's, cathedrals and yeah. so forth. So you know, men, human wisdom would say, do this in the battle. Whereas, as you point out, I think I hadn't thought about it, but I think a good observation is God just used simple measures to accomplish his victory. In the Battle of Jericho, march around the city. At the end of, of seven days and 13 circumferences around the city, shout and blow trumpets, the walls fall down. That's not very sophisticated. Uh, in fact, by human reasoning, it didn't even make sense. But that's the tool that God used. As you say, with Gideon, men with lamps hidden in pitchers initially until they broke the pitchers to show their light and sounding trumpets to beat to 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 gain a victory over the Midianite army. Very good point. Arthur? You just add on to what you said to me. Uh, I lost my thought for a second. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, you know, a lot of times when we want to a lot of times when we want to go to these uh uh, physical things, you know, what are, to uh, try to convert people. What are we saying about the gospel? The power is not there. But Paul said it is there. That's the power that's in the gospel. That's a good point. What if, what if Joshua had said, now God told us to march around the city of Jericho, and we we can do that, but I want to tell you, I want to get some catapults in here, because I think and, and some battering rams, because I think we're going to have to use some of that sort of thing to get the job done, too. God's plan's okay, maybe. But we need to help with some innovative things that we can bring into this fight, too. What would we have said of Joshua if he'd said, okay, the marching around the city is one thing, but I'm getting a bunch of catapults and battering rams myself. It'll help the battle experience. Yeah, we need, I, I, think, I think we would have said Joshua showed a lack of faith there. He, he showed a lack of faith in not thinking that, God's plan would work, and that he'd have to... Now, the, the parallel would be, if we think that we have to add to God's plan for our warfare today, then that's likewise a lack of faith. If we think we have to bring in things that God hasn't authorized, and we have to, to innovate and change and af- affect our work in ways that God hasn't authorized, then we're demonstrating a lack of faith. We're not striving lawfully. And as I read there in Timothy, right, we've right. Got to, if, if we want to win, we better do it lawfully. That's right. Good point. Good point. All right, we need to take a break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we'll have plenty of time for your comments. 877-381-4567 or email questions at collegeu.com or join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Often we hear folks say, I don't mind talking about the Bible, but I won't argue with you. Or, I don't believe in arguing about the scriptures. Or, it's not right for people to argue about God's word. 
But wait a minute. Who told you that it's not right to argue about the Bible? Did you ever read that in the inspired word? Is there a command from God that forbids it? Where did this idea originate anyway? We can be sure that this notion did not come from God. Notice the inspired example of the Apostle Paul. In Acts 9, verse 29, he spake boldly and disputed against the Greeks. In Acts 15, verse 2, Paul had no small dissension and disputation with them. In Acts 17, verse 17, therefore disputed he in the synagogue and in the market daily. In Acts 19, verse 9, Paul was disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. Vine says that the word translated dispute in these verses means to converse, argue, dispute. Thayer says that it means to converse, discourse with one, argue, discuss, drawing arguments from the scripture with the idea of disputing prominent. So then the popular idea that folks ought not to argue about the Bible is simply not a biblical idea. It would be nice if we never had to argue, and such would be the case if everyone would honestly accept the word of God. But it's not that way in the real world, and so we must, quote, earnestly contend for the faith, Jude verse 3, which suggests being as a combatant, according to Vine. Men's souls are important enough to cause us to argue when necessary. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. All right, we're back, and welcome back into the Virtual Bible Study. We'll let you know this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, Come and be a part of the virtual of the of our worship services any Sunday morning at 9:30 a.m. for a period of Bible study with classes for all ages, followed by a period of worship at 10:30 a.m. Then on Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for another period of worship, and on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. for another period of Bible study. If you need directions to our meeting place, if you have any questions, visit our website thevirtualbiblestudy.com or give us a call at 877-381-4567. And if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area tomorrow night. Friday night, June 18th, 2010, will be the last night of our Vacation Bible School. We'll have classes again, and uh, we would encourage you to come and visit with us then if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area. We're talking about spiritual battles tonight, sort of dovetailing into our battles of the Old Testament that we're studying on our Vacation Bible School this week. We're talking about spiritual battles. We're in a spiritual battle. We can win the spiritual battle. The question is now, how do you win? If you were going into a physical battle... You'd want to know what would be a good strategy so you could defeat your physical opponent. We're in a spiritual battle. We need to know spiritual strategies so that we can be successful in winning this battle that God has promised us we can win. All right, so how do we do that? And I think the first thing that we've got to, to, to emphasize is that we've got to have faith. We've got to have faith in God and faith in his revealed will for us. One of the battles, we've mentioned it already tonight, but one of the battles that we've discussed this week was the battle of Jericho. And it says in Hebrews 11, verse 30, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. It happened by faith. But they were encompassed about, the walls fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And so the people of Israel in that time had to have faith that doing what God said would work. And, and you know, even when I think there was a strong potential for them to say, that doesn't make any sense. Sure. I don't understand how walking around the city is going to make the walls fall it's down. It's easy to say it now after the fact, so yeah, you should have faith in that. But can you imagine if you were going up against a walled city? that had strong uh, defenses, and your battle plan is you're going to walk around the city and the walls are going to fall down, that take an enormous amount of faith. Yeah. 
So what we see there in that statement is you got to have faith, and faith, proper faith, is always coupled with obedience in the Bible. The people marched around the city in faith, and the walls fell down. Really, all through Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we see the, the linkage between faith, the kind of faith that is commended and needed, and, the, and, and obedience. Uh, in my text, I've just gone down through here and highlighted all the different individuals who are named. And it says they had faith, but it tells what they did. Uh, for instance, in verse 4, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. He had faith. He offered a sacrifice. Noah, it says in verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God things not seen as yet, moved with ark and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He prepared an ark. He, he was a man of faith. He had faith. His faith provoked him to build that ark, an enormous assignment. Uh, verse 8, By faith Abraham, it says, when he was called to go out to a place which he should have to receive for inheritance, obeyed. He was a man of faith, but he obeyed. Uh, and, and you just go on. Verse 24, Moses, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And so really a, kind of a neat little exercise there in Hebrews 11 is go through there. Notice every place it says by faith, and in the same verse notice a verb of action, mm-hmm. what they did, by faith what they did. And the same thing is true for us. We've got to have faith. If we're going to win these great spiritual battles that face us, we've got to have faith, and our faith has to be the kind of faith that will lead us to take action. You just can't go out on the battlefield and sit down and say, yes, I believe that I'm going to be victorious. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. These are action words, and a lot of people in the world today tell us that you don't have to do anything, that you'll be saved. doesn't matter how you live. doesn't matter if you fight or if you don't fight or if you, what side you're really fighting on. You could fight on the wrong side and still win according to many in the religious world today. But uh, if we're going to be successful, if we're going to win, we've got to fight the good fight of faith. That fight will be based upon our faith, be directed by our faith. And in How do you think faith, an army would, would do if uh, nobody in the army believed that they could be successful and they refused to do as they were instructed to do? Obviously, they'd be defeated. They have to believe and they have to act. First John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. We will be victorious in this battle as a result of our faith and actions that are dictated and mandated by our faith. Uh, Arthur, make, Arthur, you got a comment to add in there? Well, I just think into the addition of what you were talking about, the faith that is there in uh, Hebrews 11, look what he tells us in chapter 12. In view of what I've just said, or wherefore, seeing we are also encompassed about with such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin that which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God on the throne of God. So, you know, we can be as those uh, individually mentioned there as faith by looking at Jesus. Jesus is the one that we're to look to and to follow Him. All right. That's right. Okay, 877-381-4567 is the number to call. Email questions at collegeview.com. One of the observations that we made in our study tonight about Gideon's 300 men was it says there that every man stood in his place. Okay. In Joshua 
chapter, I mean, uh, Judges chapter, what is that, Arthur? Judges chapter 8, was it? 7. 7 and 8. I forget which chapter it was that made that statement. Uh, I think it is 7. Um, it says in verse uh, 21. 21, every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. Every 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 single man, if you had just 300 against incredible odds, every single man would have to do what he's expected to do. And as we said, we're facing great odds. We're, we're depending upon every Christian doing what he's expected to do in this great spiritual fight that we're in. All right, and we do need our brethren's assistance. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, a passage that's one of your favorites, Dad, and is a favorite of, of probably every preacher. The passage that instructs us to be faithful in our attendance, but there's a reason why. And one reason is because God said it for us too, but the other reason is so that we can encourage our brethren in their spiritual war that they're battling. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We assemble so that we can be an encouragement and assist our brethren in their spiritual war that they're fighting. One of the things that I think we all need is the, is the knowledge that we're not in this alone. That, that there are others who share a common faith, who have the same priorities and objectives that we have, that are going to help us uh, do what needs to be done. That's a very important thing. And every Christian needs to understand their role in that. You play an important part in encouraging your brethren. In an army, there, uh, even a big army, let alone a small one that's facing uh, insurmountable odds, seemingly, but in any army, no matter what size, the, 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 the leaders of the army pay attention to the morale of the right. troops. Right. You, you, you want the morale of your troops to be high. You don't want them to be down and discouraged. You don't want them to have a sort of sense of defeatism. You want them to draw strength from one another. And so you pay attention to that. And the same is true spiritually. All right. We need our brethren. We need their encouragement and their assistance as we fight in these battles. We also need their prayers. And I think that we need to understand that as well. Right, exactly right. In fact, the Scripture tells us to pray for one another. Ephesians six eighteen, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Ephesians six eighteen. Uh, I know one of the things that the elders here at College View always encourage us to do is pray for our work together every day. Uh, that might seem like a small thing to a lot of people, but the Scripture suggests it's an important part of what we can do in helping each other. All right, what do you think? Let us know. How can we be successful in this battle? How can we win in this spiritual battle that we are engaged in that God has told us we can be victorious in? How can we do that? What is a strategy? What is a way that will help us be victorious? Arthur. You know, Greg, you're talking about Gideon. Or no, just talking about how we need to encourage one another. Pick up that mic there on the on the beside you there. That that will that one's still not working. Yeah, right. That'll do you better. That's there. better. There you go. Yeah, you're talking about how that we need to be strong and encourage one another. What was the first thing God told Gideon to do with those thirty-two thousand? Those who were fearful, go home. When he no, remember our study tonight. When Gideon originally raised a, a band of armed men, he had 32,000. God said it's too many because if you win the fight, you might think you did it on your own power and might. And so the first way to thin them down was tell the fearful, tell anybody who, who's afraid to go home. Two, more than two-thirds of them left and went home. Uh, because that, you really don't want soldiers like that in your army anyway. 
they're they're not going to be your best soldiers if they're timid and afraid and not willing to step up and do what has to be done. We need brave soldiers. It's a discouragement to those that are participating. Exactly right. Okay. All right. So we have two strategies so far that will help us in our battle. We have to have faith. Uh, Faith is the victory as we sing. And we have to be assisted by our brethren. We're not in this by ourselves as they were in the Old Testament. They needed the assistance of their brethren. So it is today that we need assistance of our brethren as well. All right. We, we're going to go to a final break. Uh, but before we do, I want to tell you about what we want to talk about here. And one of the things we want to mention in this last segment, and I'd like to get some feedback from our listeners. What do you think about the idea of reward motivation? Trying to get people to step up, do what needs to be done by motivating them with the idea that they'll get something out of there'll be a prize or reward is that is that a wrong approach uh, I, i've heard of people who suggest that that maybe is sort of a uh selfish uh, selfish or uh, uh mercenary sort of uh, mindset toward this okay. warfare that we have to do so if you have a thought along those lines uh, we want to talk about that when we come back from this break okay we're going to take a break and then we'll go to the top of the hour with plenty of time for your comments send them in the chat room send them an email or give us your comments over the phone don't go anywhere we continue right after this don't touch that mouse the virtual bible study will be back right after this Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship. But something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship in the way that he has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College of Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship of our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Hi, my name is Zach Coleman, and when I'm listening to the virtual Bible study, I love to hear comments from other listeners. So please join in tonight's discussion by sending an email or by making a phone call. The address is questions at collegeview.com, and the phone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're part of it, and we look forward to hearing from you. We're talking about our spiritual warfare. We're going along with what we're studying in our vacation Bible school this week at the College of Church of Christ, this, the battles, the physical battles of the Old Testament. We've talked about the fact that uh, we are in a battle. We have to understand that. We're talking about the fact that victory is possible, and we've talked about some strategies to win. One of the strategies we mentioned was the fact that we can win with the assistance of our brethren, and we need our brethren. Sharon makes an interesting comment. In the chat room tonight, we'll see what you think about uh, Sharon's comment. If it comes down to being the only one who remains faithful, we can still be victorious with God on our side. What do you think about that comment? Well, what I saw that Sharon's comment there in the chat room, it made me think of Elijah. We didn't study Elijah this week, but it made me think of Elijah. Mm-hmm. You know, he he had been very bold and 
stood against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, that great contest with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And after he'd gained that victory for the Lord, then wicked Jezebel said, I'll kill you before this time tomorrow. And Elijah fled for his life. And the Lord spoke to him uh, and uh, said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He had run away and was hiding out in the wilderness. And he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And, he, and Elijah said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. So Elijah felt all alone. Fact matter, he wasn't, and it was revealed to him that there were thousands of others who were still faithful to the Lord. But I think the point was, even if Elijah was the last faithful servant of God on the earth, he, God still expected him to do what he was supposed to be doing. And the same thing would be true of us. Uh, I, I think what Sharon is saying is exactly right. If we were, uh, it's not true. We're not the only, we're not the last faithful person or the last faithful handful of persons. There are many who are still faithful to the Lord in the world. But even if we were the last one, it's still our duty to do what we can, and God will bless us when we do. We've talked about this before, but in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul experienced a time when he was the only one standing for what was right. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Paul was able to stand by himself. Uh, so it is possible, but the devil is very successful when he can convince people that uh, they may be the only ones trying to do what's right. It's a very good tactic that he has. He was almost successful there with Elijah. Exactly right. Uh, so it, we have to be aware of, of that uh, that uh, attack that the, the devil will try to make. 877-381-4567. So a couple of things we've mentioned. Call. If we're going to be successful in this warfare, we've got to have faith. Faith got to lead us to take action. We've got to have the help of our brethren. Uh, it's important to work together. But another thing, Jacob, is we got to follow God's instructions just as he gave them. All right. I think we've uh, alluded to this uh, already in our discussion, but we talked in the Old Testament about the Battle of Jericho, how they were instructed to march around the city six times, or six days, one time a day, then the seventh day, seven times. Would the walls have fallen down if the children had not uh, walked the prescribed number of laps around uh, Jericho each day? I don't think so. Of course, we don't have any way of knowing, but who would have taken the chance? I mean, what right-thinking person would have said, well, you know, he said march around it once each day for six days and seven times on the seventh day. That just seems too much to me. Uh, I'd at least like some rest in between. Maybe let's march. Instead of doing it all in a week, let's do it every other day for two weeks. You know, or... Maybe we don't have to do it seven times on that last day. That just that that last day is going to be a killer. <laughs> yeah. And maybe maybe just three times would be enough. Well, everybody, I think everybody would say, no, you can't do that. The walls would not have fallen by faith if they had done that. Yeah, that's right. That wouldn't be acting in faith. And we all agree. What's kind of frustrating is that we all agree that for them to demonstrate faith, they had to do what they were told to do just the way they were told to do it. Why doesn't that same thing apply to us? If we are people of faith, then faith means do what God says, do it just the way he says to do it. All right, and uh, we've got to do that. We've got to understand that, but a lot of times people want to cut corners in their spiritual war and do it the way they want to do it or uh, the way they think is best. It makes sense to me that we should do it this way or do it that way or I'd rather do it this way. Instead, we've got to do it the way God instructed. 
Second Timothy chapter four, beginning verse, or Second Timothy chapter two, beginning verse four. No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Strive lawfully. That's what Arthur was mentioning earlier. That's right. Second Timothy two, verse five. All right, Arthur. Yes, and uh, you know I mentioned in, tonight in the class where that uh, you know uh, after they had defeated Jericho. You know, they'd gone up against Ai and say, oh, just don't send as many people, you know, because they'll be right. able to overcome. And how many people did it take to do something that, that God said not do to cause them to lose the, the battle? Mm-hmm. One person, Achan. One thing. One, one, one person yeah. doing one thing that he wasn't supposed to do, and it ruined it for everybody. So how, how important, I mean, really, as you study the Bible story, how important is it to God that his instructions be followed exactly? It seems very important, doesn't it? I mean, all of those Old Testament stories, and the New Testament says that those things are written for our learning. All of those Old Testament stories have God expecting and demanding that they do what he said to do exactly like he said to do it. And it it's just befuddles me how people today can say, ah, I don't think it's that important. Well, you know, it may go back to the fact they don't understand the kind of battle that we're in. If right, they understood our opponent and understood the, the seriousness of the battle, then certainly they wouldn't be lying, leaning on their own think so's and their own likes and dislikes. They'd be looking to God for his instruction to overcome. Well, one thing I want to emphasize, too, is that, as we've already mentioned, but I just want to emphasize it again, in, in a lot of those battles that we've been studying this week, the things that God asked them to do, didn't necessarily make sense from a human reasoning standpoint. Uh, marching around the walls of Jericho, going into getting and going to battle with 300 men. Uh, we studied also the battle where the under Moses the Israelites fought the Amalekites, and in order for the battle to succeed, they raised had to hold Moses's hands up. Well, what's that got to do with winning a battle? You know, in all of those things that people could have said. I, that just doesn't make sense to me, and I don't understand why we have to do it that way. Right. Well, the fact of the matter is it didn't have to make sense to them. They just had to do if it. If they live in uh, 2010, they'd probably be saying that. Uh, yeah, and so what, today, even in situations where it does not necessarily make sense to us, in this great spiritual warfare that we're in, we need to do what God says, do it like he says. He has a reason for what he said. I think... I think his reasons are explained. As we study more deeply into his word, we come to understand his reasoning more thoroughly. But even if we never understood the reason why, we need to do what he says the way the way he says do it. Jeff is uh, manning the controls tonight behind uh, the master control tonight. He says, why would they do that when they just wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? Why would uh, Aiken take of the spoils when they had just been uh, punished for failing to follow uh, God's uh, instruction have faith that they should certainly uh, is an important lesson for us to learn. Exactly right. Okay, Arthur. Arthur, Arthur Catholic. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, you can just look at so many of the incidents in the Old Testament. Look at Nadab and Abihu. Strange fire. Well, what difference did it make? Fire is fire. What? What? You know, why would make a difference whether to get it? And then I think it's on over. Uh, I believe about the sixteenth. A chapter where it tells where that they were to get it, and it was all to, off of the altar of burnt offering. Mm-hmm. You know, but look what was uh, seemingly so insignificant, but God struck them both dead. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. All right, uh, we're going up to the top of the hour. If you have comments, we have time to take them. We look forward to hearing from you. There's one other way that we can at least at least one other way that we can be victorious, and that's with God's help. That's that's fundamental and critical to any success. Is that we we've got, we've got to have God's help. All right, uh, we remember the story in. Uh, 
in Joshua, how Joshua was going around and taking care of uh, those uh, armies that he had to fight against. He did it with God's help. He was successful because God was fighting for the Israelites. In Joshua chapter 10, verse 42, And all these kings did, and their land did Joshua take at one time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for uh, the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. Yeah. So God was fighting for them. God's fighting for us as well today. Exactly right. You know, uh, Paul's attitude in all that he did, uh, all the great success that he achieved for the cause of Christ, in Philippians 4, verse 13, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He saw that having the Lord on his side was absolutely and he says a similar thing in Romans 8, verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Right. So we have to have confidence that God is on our side, that God is fighting for us, and God will help us to have the victory that we need to have. Yeah, I was just thinking about, uh, too, and uh, Joshua. One reason that Joshua was so successful, that no doubt that he had done what uh, chapter 1 and verse 8 of uh, Joshua says, the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest obtain, observe to do all that is written therein, and then thou shalt make prosper in all thy ways and, and have good success. Mm-hmm. Doing it God's way. All right. And then Ephesians chapter 6, beginning of verse 10, as we read some language again that tells us about our warfare. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take you the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be also uh, shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We can overcome with God on our side. Okay, we're just about out of time. One thing I wanted to touch on, uh, what about the idea that we motivate people, motivate ourselves with the idea, do this, fight this fight, because you're going to get something at the end. You're going to get a reward. Is that is that mercenary? Is that a mercenary outlook uh, that we're doing it for, for, for something for ourselves? I, I just wonder if people might see it that way or some might accuse us of that way. Now, certainly in the battles of the Old Testament we've been studying, they engaged in those battles with the idea of a reward. They were fighting for the promised land. Go in there and gain this bountiful land. You know, it was a great land, a land that flowed with milk and honey. You, know, you, you remember when the, uh, Moses initially sent the spies in there and they came carrying out a cluster of grapes that it took two men carrying the grapes on a pole between them. I mean, that, that's the kind of bounty that this land had. And they were fighting for that reward, that this land would become their own. Mm-hmm. So they were certainly motivated with the idea of a prize or reward. What about us in our spiritual warfare? Is it wrong for us to be thinking we're doing this with the idea of gaining a prize? I, I think not. I think the, the scriptures suggest that. We should look for that prize. Arthur, you have a passage that comes to mind? Yeah, uh, we are really looking for a prize, really. And it's not uh, carnal, what 
uh, 1 Corinthians 9 talks about there that Paul was running in a race. And he said, Every man that striveth for masters is tempered in all things. Now they that do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. That's the difference there, really. All right, that goes along with Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life again. The reward is put out there for those who will be faithful, who will fight in this battle up until the point of death. And even Paul. We talked several times tonight about Paul. We often use him as a great example of what a Christian ought to be. He certainly had his eye on a prize or a crown or a, a reward. 2 Timothy 4, beginning verse 7, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul wasn't ashamed to say, I'm doing it for that crown. Uh, and that's what I'm seeking, that's what I desire. And so, certainly we, we should be motivated out of love for the Lord. We, nobody's denying that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it because He has promised to bless, eternally bless us, if we do His will here and now. All right, uh, Sharon in South Carolina says, God tells us he, we will receive a reward, either heaven or hell. Hell is also a reward. Yeah, uh, sort, sort of a negative reward for negative actions. Okay, all right, well we have a good discussion tonight. We are out of time. Um, but uh, we appreciate the comments. Dad, we're in a war. We've got to be fighting it. We've got yeah. to be fighting it. I think, like I think back to the very first things we said. We've got to have our eyes open and be aware of the of the things going on around us spiritually. If we don't, we're bound to be lost. All right. Well, a good comment discussion tonight. Next week on the program, we want to talk about... Uh, We've talked about the fact that we're in this spiritual battle, that the world is becoming more and more wicked. We want to look at some of the ways it's becoming wicked. And we want to look at God's instruction that we're not to be conformed to this world. We need to be transformed. We're going to ask, how are you going to be different? How are you going to live a transformed life in this wicked society that we live in today? Okay, and So things that we need to think about, and we look forward to that discussion. Well, Dad, thanks for your time tonight. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for being out there. Thank you for our audience sticking around tonight to be a part of the program live. And we hope that you benefited from our discussion tonight. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.